Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Doing Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 3rd of January 2022. With me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 367. A bit croaky there. I've already uh, I've already done an interview this morning for when shorts were short. So I think the 45 minutes that went into that with the voice, which was already croaky, mean that I'm likely to struggle during this recording. Also, one change at my end is I'm not wearing my headphones. It's uh, it's causing me so many problems with my hearing, all this audio work, and uh, I don't think I mentioned it, but a few months ago I had my hearing tested again and there's been a, a noticeable decline and they said, uh, would you wear a hearing aid? And I thought, you know, I'm single, I've got a bouffant, I've just spent Christmas in a, a fold-up bed, I don't need a hearing aid. You know, that's that's not, if I have a hearing aid, I think I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. So right now I'm just trying to find ways to... Um, limit the hearing damage, but definitely all this audio work has uh, done some uh, real damage. I've been aware of that for, for some time, four years now almost, tinnitus on a, uh, on a daily basis. It was so bad last night, really, really uncomfortable. The good thing about running, actually, one of the um, things, hard swallow there, I think first one of the show, one of the things that is a big plus of the running is when you're outdoors, you're distracted audio wise so the tinnitus isn't a problem but indoors I mean I've got it now I'm talking to you now and it is a problem anyway uh, let's uh, let's not make this all about me well it is about me really it's my show isn't it hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going happy new year too neighbors still letting off fireworks last night a lot of noise I think for little end product the skateboard of the skies that's what I call fireworks 2022. Given that I had a premonition when I was eight that I would die in 2053, which I have to say, based on the last years looking awfully optimistic, I am getting a little worried about uh, the little time that is left for me to uh, make my mark on the world. Oh, let me just pause this as some guy from Acast. What's he saying? This guy, they ask for you to do a survey and when they don't like the answers, they start coming back to you. Actually, I'm not sure he's saying anything. I just made the point again that a bit of show promotion wouldn't be a bad thing for them. They say shows need to have 10,000 downloads per episode, given I'm averaging about 40, 45 downloads per episode of this, uh, this disastrous show. I'm a long way away from that. But if I wasn't, I would certainly appreciate some promotion from them. And, you know, it's in their interest, isn't it? Why just start promoting shows once they hit 10,000 downloads per episode? You could get them there quicker, which would benefit you and the podcaster if you promoted them earlier. Anyway, let me uh, try and get back to uh, what I was uh, talking about. Yes, uh, not, not long left to 2053. It's, it's horrible. 
getting old. I really do think it is. Housekeeping, point of pedantry here, I think, on episode 366. I have been confused by them lately, the episode numbers. I said on episode 366 that I'd done 65 episodes of uh, Available in 2021. Incorrect. 66. They all count. Let me give you a timestamp. 12.39 hours. Got some water here. Won't have to swig some soon. Definitely, as I say, throat. Uh, I woke up with a throat being an issue this morning. This interview that I did for When Shorts Was Short, it's a player, that former player that I've been chasing for 15 months. Finally, got him so uh, it was pushed back to 1100 hours this morning from 1000 hours originally but I, I managed to get them via LinkedIn in the end I was just I'd done so much work for this interview I was just I had to start the year finally nailing it down I'm probably going to get it out quicker as well rather than the uh, slow turnaround time that uh, is occurring with the when shorts were short shows the problem is we had to do it on zoom which is a real problem and uh, his Zoom connection wasn't great so there's going to be quite a bit of editing involved for what was otherwise a very straightforward interview. Uh, It's 12.40 hours. I can't even remember if I've given you uh, a time stamp. Excessive bank holidays. I'm a little lost. I Once I realised that uh, Christmas Day fell on a Saturday this year, I realised that that meant we were going to get extra bank holidays while most people would celebrate that. I I just want the world to get back to normal. You know, I'm a bit discombobulated. I don't know where I am. I know today's a bank holiday, but is tomorrow a bank holiday as well? My new 2022 diary purchase via eBay, it tells me that is, you know, it's another holiday tomorrow. I'm just uh, very confused by all this. My sibling has now gone very quiet here without them. It was it was good. I'll swallow there, 1241 hours. It was good. It Just having someone here. Let me uh, stop gripping this uh, bottle of water minimize the audio disruption. It was good. I enjoyed it. And, you know, maybe two or three years ago, I wouldn't have enjoyed having someone here every night, but I enjoyed it. You know, just I think the whole pandemic thing has just made me realize how isolated I am. And it's uh, it's been nice to have company. The downside, obviously, was spending Christmas in a tiny bed, waking up one day over Christmas. I can't remember if it was Boxing Day or whatever it was where I was almost upside down in that bed after one of the legs collapsed. And uh, certainly I wouldn't, uh, I'm in no rush to sleep in that bed again. The night uh, the night she went back, uh, I think it was Thursday last week, I didn't get to sleep till low 500 hours. I think I was, um, the enormity, he said, his voice spiking there, the enormity of getting back to a giant double bed, albeit on my own. I think it almost overwhelmed me. I wasn't able to sleep with all that extra space. And so I was just up really, really late. I've not been sleeping well at all over Christmas and even before that. And even now that I'm back in the bed, I'm really struggling with my sleep. I'm waking up regularly and I'm having to listen to something to try and get back to sleep. Hard swallow. Lots of hard swallowing here. I think the whole show, I might actually just release some bonus content just full of hard swallows. Running... Just two runs last week owing to being under the weather, more of which later. I'm out later this afternoon for a run. I think I'll stick to the park. And uh, Saturday I did a really hard run. Hard, I mean, just uh, under 7K. But uh, when when you consider I was getting close to 20K a few weeks ago, it's disappointing that now I'm suddenly struggling again with 6 to 7K. I knew that would happen once the park started to get very boggy and it became very difficult. It has become very difficult to run in that park. But the uphill climb 
on the road, which I found easier than doing in the park. Suddenly it started to become a bit of a uh, a problem for me. On Saturday, I did uh, two laps, one on the road, one on the park. So it came to just over 6K and uh, I paused. I didn't really fancy doing another climb. I saved that run and then I thought I had to go to the supermarket anyway to, to buy a few bits and pieces. And it was the first time I've run with the uh, the new... I don't know what it's called. I think it's a run invest. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll ask uh, a certain. We'll ask a certain person what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. A certain egomaniac was uh, generous enough to buy me that, and it's been really useful. It means that armbands are a thing of the past for me, but I can't even remember what it's called. But basically, where where the phone goes, I stuffed my uh, bank card and Nectar Points card as well, and I went off to uh, Sainsbury's after my run. I did a warm down run of. Just over 1K, I think between 1 and 1.5K to Sainsbury's to to effectively burn off more granola before I bought a new packet of the stuff. I'm just addicted to that stuff. And even though it was a fairly straightforward run, flat, no climbs initially, again, my body was in shock. I was just really tired on, on, when was it, Saturday. Yes, let me get my bearings right, Saturday. And I have to tell myself mentally, but you can do this. This is nothing compared to what you've just done. There are no climbs. This is easy. And eventually it got easier. The mental battle with running is always uh, an ongoing thing with me. Let me talk to you about books this week. I've been doing a lot of reading, an awful lot of reading. Obviously, I've got the football books I have to read regularly. Got some more guests I need to get in touch with uh, today. Try to avoid the weekend emails, but um, I think I'm going to have to do some uh, significant reorganising because the man is closing in on me, more of which are also later on the show. So things are very much up in the air at the moment. On the books front, I finished Diana Evans's The Wonder. Finally, happy to finish it. I'd been to Wandsworth Library a couple of times in the last week, as you heard on the show, or Battersea Library rather, but part of Wandsworth Libraries. And it's a I think it's a Wandsworth Library book. I can't be sure. It might actually be Lambeth. I might have that wrong. But if I'd been struggling with that book more than I had, then I would have just returned it. I don't want to waste time now reading stuff I uh, I don't enjoy. I want every book to be something that I enjoy. You know, I'm reading a couple of hundred books a year and uh, it's a real pain sometimes when a bunch of them are just not something that I'm enjoying because uh, I love reading, but sometimes I'm just pushing myself to finish stuff that I've not enjoyed. Visually aspects of this book, The Wonder, were right up my street, such as the lead characters in one of the uh, one of the timelines living on a narrow boat in West London. Otherwise, it just wasn't for me. But it was a decent ending to the book. I'm pleased I got it out of the way. And meantime, I'm reading some new pastiche Holmes. I'm reading Sherlock Holmes and the Great War. I think it's... Uh, I'm going to have to check the author here. I think it's Simon Guerrero. Let me just check. An author that's new to me. Feeling a bit, uh, feeling my body a bit at the minute. I've been really pushing it. He said filling some time while the name came up on Amazon. Simon Guerrier, I didn't actually buy it from Amazon. I, I, I do try to avoid buying from Amazon when I can, particularly after they uh, threw my uh, show off in 2020, I think, late 2020. Unfairly too, thinking that, uh, well, accusing me of getting family members or friends to make uh, 
excessive purchases on the Amazon link on the website. So I do try to limit how often I do use Amazon. So this is uh, Sherlock Holmes and the Great War, the latest Titan books, uh, Sherlock Holmes pastiche, a guilty, well, not a guilty pleasure. It's a pleasure. I enjoy these. I'm not embarrassed about them. Some of them are pretty heavyweight, as I'll come to. Uh, just when I give you the blurb for this book. This one is set in 1917. The narrator is a young female Holmes, uh, sorry, female Watson, and it's not John Watson, and she's not related to John Watson, but she just happens to be called Watson, which is a bit of a conceit the uh, the book has employed. An unnecessary one, perhaps. December 1917, an important visitor arrives at a field hospital not far from the front who makes sharp deductions about the way the ward is run based on small details that he sees. Sherlock Holmes is apparently only present for a tour but asks searching questions about a young officer who apparently died in the hospital but whose records have mysteriously vanished. As Holmes digs deeper, details emerge pertaining to a cover-up that stretches from the trenches to the top of the war office and conspiracy on both the British and enemy fronts. I'm enjoying it really enjoying it i'm over halfway through it now 160 pages something like that read yesterday holmes is now in his 60s there is a real heavyweight pastiche holmes writer called robert ryan i think he'd probably resent being called a pastiche because uh, a pastiche author because his works are very faithful to conan doyle robert ryan has dr watson as his central character holmes uh holmes features only sporadically his books there are four of them are set in the first world war i think in one of them watson is a prisoner of war both are now old men they haven't spoken for years having had a fallout this book i'm currently reading the uh, great war one is one of the lighter uh, titan even pastiches but it's still enormous uh fun I think I mentioned I did, uh, yes, the, the, the show that has left me croaky this morning uh, when Shorts were short, did the interview with Terry Butcher this morning. There would be no mistake in which which of us had the long and successful football career from our respective Zoom backdrops. I did make a point of tidying mine a bit, but it's still fairly disgraceful and the books just don't fit properly into the shelf behind me. And uh, yeah, I had a call from the man this morning, so it could be that uh, the man is going to get me in the next uh, week or so, albeit on my terms, working evenings and nights. Not sure how that's going to leave me. It would be uh, the money wouldn't be great. Just hoping I take some pressure off myself by doing this. They've asked for a trial evening on my part to see if I fit in with the team. I'm assuming that's going to be unpaid. I didn't check. They did express concerns about my age and how I would fit in with a younger team. That's just par for the course nowadays. That is something that I've um, been dealing with really the last couple of years. Uh, It's a legitimate concern, but uh, just also illustrates that we are an ageist uh, society. I think for me, the difficulty whenever I've returned to the man is that my own age group have moved on. They've taken managerial positions or moved on to bigger and better roles. I've always been stuck in the same roles because it was never something that I wanted so you feel a bit out of place. And it was just around the time that this show launched in November 2012 when it was the place where I met the kid. And that was uh, that was quite a moment for me because that was the moment where I really became aware I was working with a different generation and, you know, that I had to adapt to them rather than them adapt to me. And it was also quite difficult because, you know, they were the generation that had grown up with smartphones and I felt that that did impact on their social skills. 
really. Uh, that's one thing I did notice. And, you know, there's a lot to admire about the younger generation, but there's also a lot that I don't admire about the younger generation. But one of the things when people do criticise the younger generation for being obsessed with their phones, I, I do always stop people there and say, well, look, that could have been that could have been us if we'd been a bit younger. You know, the the advent of smartphones is something that's dumbed us all down. There are benefits and there are huge negatives. I think in the early days for me, the internet, the dial-up internet was brilliant. It allowed me to get loads of TV meetings. I've told you stories. Uh, in fact, the week my mum passed away, I was just on absolute fire that week. And I, th- I think that's the term I used in my uh, series, The Letter for Resonance FM. I had TV meetings every day that week and I got them all via emailing producers. It was relatively novel back then. So the internet originally, I think, was a wonderful thing for me. The, the cutoff point is, for me, it's been 2008. The whole smartphone thing, the notifications, the endless notifications, that is not what I've enjoyed last uh, year, you know, to, to, no, well, 2020 actually doing really well on the freelance front. But in a way, it was one of the worst things I did, you know, having clients in multiple time zones, having to be reachable at all times. And that did impact on my health. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that I've been avoiding recently. I had a, I think I mentioned there was a client last week who deposited some money, one of my freelance accounts. And I said, I'm not going to do the work. I, I didn't tell you, I told you not to deposit the money. We were at this stage speaking about what you wanted. And I don't think they had a, a strong enough idea of what they wanted. They then wanted me to do a mock-up before doing their uh, their work so they could have an idea of how it looked and sounded. I said, that's an extra step. I'm not doing it. And also they wanted more work done than what I offer. And again, I said, well, that's going to cost you more. So they were wasting my time. It was Christmas. I didn't want to do the work. I would have done it if they'd known what they wanted just to at least say, well, I've done some work and I'm going to get, uh, it wasn't much money. It was about $50, which after tax and that, you're looking maybe about $30 if you're lucky. So really not worth it. But if I picked up a long-term client again, because I've got no clients, then, you know, it might've been worth it from that point of view. Having said that, the man have called me in for a trial, trial evening this week. Really should have had a lozenge before doing this show. A trial uh, evening this week, and that's probably going to be unpaid. And I'm thinking, well, that's a bit cheeky at the same time. Uh, and I think this is probably the meds. I think I can deal with it. I, I don't think it's going to stress me out too much. What might stress me out is the whole COVID situation. Not because I'm stressed out by COVID, but because this is going to be or would might be the first time I'm back with a man in the pandemic. Well, it, it would be. And I don't really know how to play it. When I met with them for the interview last week, I actually kept my mask on, whereas the interviewer didn't keep their mask on and then gave me their pen to use to give my details. And I'm thinking, we're in a pandemic. In London, It's the rate at the moment is 1 in 15 people have the virus. You know, I walked into the office, uh, I was showing the day shift, and I'm looking at all the laptops, uh, the PCs, where people are working. It's... How clean are those things? How are people going to react when you come in and you clean everything? Can you do that? The last time I was with the man, we were hot desking for a period, so you had to wipe everything down, which is what people should be doing now. But is this what we're going to do in this place? I don't know. These are big bridges to cross. It was interesting going to this place in Mayfair last week. I stumbled upon the cafe from March 1990 that my dad had taken me to that had made such a huge impression 
on me. I posted pictures on the Instagram and Facebook page. You can see them there. Predictably, it's now a Starbucks, but 32 years ago, it was some independent cafe, probably one of the last uh, cafes from that old coffee house London era when we had better cafes and we had more Italian cafe owners. You know, they were the guys that uh, dominated the coffee market in London. And I've always said it's ironic that this country never got coffee, never wanted to be associated with coffee until friends, you know, in the mid to late 90s captivated everyone and everyone suddenly wanted to be sitting on a sofa drinking fancy drinks, overpriced usually, and yet, by the time we did that, and by the time that these uh, vapid coffee chains came to be one of the few reasons for going to the high street for a lot of people, our best coffee houses had gone. I caught the back end of that. I was old enough to, to be lucky enough to catch the back end of that, but I was too young to catch anywhere near the peak of that. But my dad had worked on the Strand. He'd worked on uh, Piccadilly, so he knew all these places. I was already obsessed with coffee by the time he took me there. It was my regular go-to drink at home, you know, from the age of five or six. I came from a coffee house. It's a Mediterranean culture thing. But I remember when he took me to this place in March 1990, and the bar, the style of the bar the, in, 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 in the Starbucks, is st- I didn't go in there, by the way. I, I don't do the Starbucks thing, as you know. But the style of the bar was very much the same. And it looked like a kind of boutique place. It's a great looking place, I have to say, regardless of whether it's a Starbucks or not. They've kept the exterior. They haven't done anything to it. I don't know whether that's because it's a listed building. I don't know, but it still looks fairly good. And I just remember... He'd taken me in there that day. It was the last, I remember it, I remember it for a number of reasons. It was the last time that I'd had to go out with my dad against my will because it was just the talking. He didn't stop talking. And I, you know, I wasn't a very talkative guy and it was just, it was difficult. But looking back, the thing about going out with my dad is he would always take us to these places that he knew in central London, uh, central London. It was always an adventure. We always had a good time. It was just, it was a battle for him to get us out. And I remember that it was the final series of Miami Vice was being shown that uh, spring. And it was a brilliant series, I think. Don Johnson, uh, I mean, uh, the the storyline that got him to this point was a bit weak. He'd been caught up in an explosion, lost his memory and suddenly became this drug dealer. His girlfriend, when he was a drug dealer, was a very young Julia Roberts just before she made it big, I think, with Pretty Woman. It was a brilliant series. He also had a ponytail. And uh, that, again, influenced me by August uh, 90. I had my debut ponytail always making sure um, I removed it before my dad got home. Different times, you'll understand. And I was influenced also by the fact that Sonny Crockett never wore socks. I'd bought these new shoes, I think, from Curtis, uh, the old shoe store in Brixton, and I didn't wear socks, and I my feet were battered that day. I don't know what possessed me to do that. It was really uncomfortable, and I also wore them with jeans. Just a terrible look. I mean, terrible on every front. Doesn't work at all. And I also remember something else before I come to the crux of the recollection. I remember that we went to St. James's Park and Green Park. Green Park would later for a long time become my favourite place anywhere, really. But St. James's Park, there was a bridge there uh, that you could walk across. And there was this, I think it was a stork or a pelican. I'm not sure what it was standing on the bridge and I froze. And there were sparrows, I remember, which were very common. They were all on the bridge as well. And I froze because obviously I've got that phobia. My dad knew I had that phobia because he'd had to get rid of his birds. I think he got rid of them principally because he thought they were affecting my asthma, which they might well have been. But 
might also have been the fact that he knew that I was and, and remained terrified of birds. And I just froze on that bridge and I wouldn't cross. And I got another lecture of my dad. You know, my dad was obsessed with birds. If you're a long time listener, you'll know uh, both the feathered variety and the, uh, the, you know, the old school variety, which we don't refer to them as that anymore because times are better. We've moved on. You know, attitudes are a bit healthier. We've left all that behind. But back in 90, you know, he was into both varieties. So I got the lecture from my dad on, on, on knots crossing that bridge because of that bird and I can't remember if that was after the cafe or not but when he took me to that cafe and as I say he knew that I loved my coffee so we got coffees in there I think I don't think we stayed in there because it was quite smoky but he always said to me it's really important when you live in a city like this where you know everyone's going somewhere everything's stressful as you get older you need to find that time to just uh, decompress that wasn't his word back then Uh, if it had been he might have said it like this decompress you just need to find time every day to, you know, just just not to think about anything, just to clear your head. And a, a cafe is the perfect place for it. And by 93, when I was still trying to pass my A-levels this time in Putney, beautiful Putney back then, not as exclusive as it is nowadays, not as antipodean as it is nowadays. It was a bit more diverse back then. I would start going to a number of cafes with fellow classmates and it just became something that I was really buying into then 95 myself and Lopez we found that cafe on platform 9 by Victoria Station the reason I hadn't found it earlier was because growing up where I grew up I'd never really had a reason to take an overground train I didn't realize how spoiled I was by living so central and that cafe on platform 9 that became my go-to cafe for six years until I found obviously the cafe the cafe of my dreams back in 2001 so while i've been 20 years in my cafe i've been on the cafe circuit for 29 years this year and it all goes back to my dad and that day in mayfair and i posted pictures on instagram at 1607 west egg and uh, com forward slash DRT available, which obviously uh, not very easy for me to use. Had some messages on there from another guy in the last few days. That was on the When Shorts Were Short page. And it's just so difficult for me to access those pages. By the way, I do have a Discord page now set up for When Shorts Were Short because I can't use the Facebook page properly. That is going to be a go-to forum for When Shorts Were Short if you want to join it. Follow Shorts Were Short on Twitter and you'll see a, a link for the Discord there. After the interview with the man, I met Mickey Boyd. Let's uh, just pause for a minute as we know he does love a mention. Let's just give him time to pull over. Remember, he doesn't wear a seatbelt, but he may need to adjust uh, his trouser belt, something. Let's just give him a, a little pause. As you know, he does love a mention, and I'm thinking that we should launch a new feature for 2022, and I know that we have a poor record on this show of audience participation, never mind downloads. Uh, Features rarely take off here, but maybe this will tickle your fancy, and so we know Mr. Boyd loves a mention, and I'm telling you, if you include him in a tweet or an Instagram post, regardless of the hour, he is straight on it with a like and even an RT. So here's what I'm suggesting. If you enjoy this episode, tweet me. Include Boydy71 in your tweet. Sideline me within the tweet. 
for the purpose of this new feature and make a big deal of how great the man with a 48-inch graying chest is. Post your tweet stroke Instagram post and we'll time how quickly Mickey Boyd responds to that. The quickest RT stroke like will head the leaderboard going into next week's episode and over the weeks if this takes off, which I'm certain it won't, we'll try and iron out the rules and perhaps offer as a prize uh, maybe a recording a, a video recording uh, from Mickey if he doesn't have a cold sore that week or a weird beard from his barber we can get him to record a, a special video for that week's leader and ideally we'll wait until he's been to the barbers he does look great when his scalp has been shaved but when he's grown out the horseshoe hairstyle around the scalp I'm less sure about that. Mind you, my hair at the man's last week, honestly, uh, an absolute disgrace. Top heavy, borderline Richard Maidley. I put some, I put two lots of product on and still the hair wasn't staying up. It was an absolute disgrace and I'd kept the mask on. Just all of it was uh, an awful look. And of course, the thing about the mask now, so I think I'd be seeing different people if I take the evening to night shift. But if I go in there with the mask, then I take the mask off at some point. That's going to be a big reveal, isn't it? It's going to be like uh, when you get, a, say, a, a, a woman on a, a on a motorbike in one of those Hollywood films, cheesy Hollywood uh, Hollywood films even, and she's on a bike, she stops the bike, she takes off the helmet, and then she loosens all that hair in slow motion. It's going to be like that. But, you know, maybe they think, oh, this man's ugly. So it's going to be a very difficult moment the mask reveal is potentially risky for all of us and uh, you know when uh, during the interview with the man when they made a uh, mention of their concerns that I might struggle to fit in with a young team they said that they are trying to make it an older team I suspect that uh, they were looking at the hair which was putting 10 years on me and, and that might have been their cue for expressing their concern that I might be too old for their team Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available episode 367. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available, danielruiztyson.com to find links to all my work. There are PayPal and Coffee or Ko-Fi, whatever it's called, .com links on there if you don't want to support the show on Patreon but are able to make a, a one-off donation from time to time which will get you any bonus content we transfer to you on the same day. You can find those links at danielruiztyson.com. There is, of course, the Patreon page that keeps this show on live support, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Appreciate those of you who continue to support the podcast. A quick shout-out for South London hardcore they've brought out another podcast uh, episode in the last week episode 174 their 10th anniversary they are one of my all-time favorite shows if not in the top two or three it's a terrific show and these are guys who unlike me love south london and whenever i'm feeling particularly down about south uh, south london even they bring me back a little they make me less hostile to live in on this side of the river. And at the heart of it is that beautiful relationship, that friendship between Jack McEnroy and Steve Walsh, both of whom I consider friends. And I met them through their show and they gave this show a, a big boost back in the day. I think that might be a police siren in the background. We'll see what happens. So, you know, they've played their part in this show, still being here. And obviously you, you heard the sad news about Steve uh, a few Months ago, um, unfortunately, he's uh, terminally ill. So 
there's not much you can say about that other than just listen to their show while they're still here, while that partnership is still intact. As uh, uh, Mickey Bunce would say, don't be after timers. Don't find the show after that pairing has broken up for the saddest of reasons. They're still here. They're still turning out good work. They've got a guest host on that episode 174 whose name escapes me, but he does a brilliant job. And uh, I can't recommend that episode enough. They've managed somehow to turn around one of their all-time great episodes. I think it would go into their their all-time top 10 for me anyway. So do find them. You can find them on Apple Podcasts and via holdfastnetwork.com. Right, on with a show which certainly doesn't have as many listeners as South London Hardcore. A hygiene fail visual from Boxing Day that I forgot to give you. I was on my way back from a second PCR test. It was raining on the way back and I saw a guy parked under the bridge in his mobility scooter and having had my coat ruined by guano back in late November, I have no idea why anyone would stand under a bridge for any amount of time. This was around, uh, I think it was around 10, 17 hours heading. I think I was heading north at the time. Reminds me of that uh, weird kebab shop in Ballam, which may or may not still be there under the uh, railway bridge. I think it burned down at one point, but why anyone would buy a kebab or any food from any business under a railway bridge, considering that they're all wrecked by pigeons, I have no idea. That horror comes from the Ferodo Bridge on Clapham North, you know, walking that every day to school from the age of four. Oh, it's just horrendous. Even when I pass. Uh, pass it on a bus as I did last week I just it does something to me going under that bridge I just remember having to walk under that all the time and just not understanding how something could be so filthy so it was a difficult Christmas in that I had to isolate either side of Christmas I had to have two PCRs I've had I think eight LFTs you can't order any at the moment again today online. I've tried a few times. Had eight LFTs all in the last uh, 10 days. And yesterday I had a migraine. And I remember that being one of the symptoms that painkillers couldn't shake off when I did have the virus 11 months ago. So I did an LFT yesterday afternoon and that was fine. That put my mind at ease. I'm still not recovered 100% from that, but uh, from the from the migraine, but I'm certainly better. But it was very difficult isolating at home in a mask and gloves with my sister here, not you know wanting to scupper their return to the Emirates. It was just very awkward having to stay in this room, having to ventilate as well. Luckily, it wasn't a cold Christmas, but uh, you know I just I was conscious that I might ruin their Christmas. And the second time around, I had a feeling it was just a cold, uh, not a heavy cold, but a cold cold, the worst I'd had maybe in a couple of years. So I was confident that I was okay the first time I was uh, less sure. But, you know, I've done the right thing and that's uh, that's the only way forward right now. But it does wear you out. And I think as isolated as I am living on my own, I think given the situation we're in, the pandemic, it's certainly a lot easier. Hard to swallow 13, 16 hours. It's certainly a lot easier to isolate when you live alone. I think if, you know, if you're in a couple and you have to isolate, chances are one of you is, you know, you're both going to get it. But it's, you know, you're a couple, you have that level of intimacy. So you don't have to mask up and all that business, probably, maybe. Who knows? I'm out of the loop, out of that game, retired. So I can't be certain I'm I'm uh, accurate on that. But, but to have my sister there and who'd had to do her own PCR test when she arrived here and then when she went back before going back, it was just very awkward and I didn't want to make their time here 
any more fraught than it already was with having to get that PCR test and waiting for it because they were pretty slow on the turnaround there. I tweeted this morning that I know 14 people, uh, you know, 14 people, including the three that I've learned about in the last three days. I know 14 people, 13 of whom I know personally who got COVID over Christmas. None of them got the booster. One was exempt. Now, of course, do I think I can't get COVID again because I've had the booster? No, of course not. I, I can get COVID again. I reckon I will get COVID again, probably this year. It's just hard to avoid this thing. But do I believe I should be better protected against the severity because I've had the booster? Yes. Yes, I do. And that is why I had the booster. And also, I, I believe it means I'm safer to be around for vulnerable people, of which I see a number, both in my aunt and uncle, and also, you know, future me, for instance, in the cafe. The whole thing, of course, is very divisive. And I did get a response on Twitter this morning from someone pointing out that uh, they knew two people who'd had the booster. And I think they said that they both got the virus within the day. And of course, you know, I believe that. Of course, I believe that. As I say, the booster is not going to stop you from catching this but it might save you. It might be the difference. That's my stand on it. One of my football pals, an old friend from the late 90s, uh, who I was playing football with back in the summer, which I have to say last year, the football, those games that I played at Regent's Park in the summer, they were my standout memories of 2021. I was aware on the day you know, going to the cafe in the afternoon, sitting outside and, you know, ideally enjoying it. If I didn't have any smokers nearby, I was aware that I was doing something that my life missed badly pre-pandemic and, and, and mid-pandemic. You know, I hadn't done it for a long time because of the old foot injury and then because of the pandemic. And it was just really nice. And I had, you know, there wasn't much competition in terms of competing memories, but these games were really enjoyable. And it was great because, you know, I've got that fitness now from the running and I was the fittest guy on my team. Certainly not the best player, but I was the fittest player. One of my friends from that, and we've been playing football together, if you, you know, Let's just assume I wasn't away for 10 years because of the injured foot. We've been playing football together since 99. One of the fittest guys ever. Brilliant rugby player, actually. Went to a rugby playing school. He went to a private school, even though he's actually a working class guy. Well, working class here. His, his, his dad, where they come from, was a middle class lawyer and obviously had the money to, to send his kids to private school here. But he's a South Londoner, albeit with a strange Yorkshire accent. And even when he says my name, says Danny. Anyway, very fit guy. But back in the summer, I'd noticed that he would be wheezing. And anyway, so I was taken aback by that. I just assumed it was all the weed he smokes on a daily basis. And he's, a, he's an anti-vaxxer, which is relevant to this story. So I see on the football group on WhatsApp, which, you know, I usually mute because it's the kind of WhatsApp group that just wastes, uh, wastes your time, that uh, he told everyone he'd had a heart attack. It was very reminiscent of my dad's experience. He didn't know he was having a heart attack. All he knew was that he was experiencing the most excruciating pain. So um, got himself into hospital. They told him he'd uh, had a heart attack, and I think they've got to unblock one more artery, etc. They stuck him in a ward with three, uh, three COVID patients. And I have to admit, part of me... Um, you know, this is not great. Pardon me, because he's so such an anti-vaxxer, because he's always refused to wear a mask, because he mocks everyone for following the rules and for wearing masks and for getting their jabs and boosters. I thought, well, maybe, okay, he's had a heart attack. I'm really sorry about that. And I hope he survives and I hope he's on the mend. 
you know, maybe this guy, you know, that maybe that proximity to COVID might change him. He comes out of there, still hasn't caught COVID and his stance, his anti-vaccine stance, hardened by that experience in hospital over Christmas. I kind of see that as a, a bit of a, a missed opportunity, really, because he's a he's a big personality, influential guy. If that guy changed his mind about the vaccines, you know, he might get a couple of people from that football group on board because there's quite a few of them there who feel the same way. Let me just switch the light on. Got to give you my nectar points. On the dreams front, not much actually in terms of dreams. I've, I've got one that's coming to me now. I wrote it in my notes and for some reason I've not transferred it to my final notes for this show. I've been dreaming a lot about mice, but this was a bizarre dream that I had set on an embankment. I'm not sure where. It was the Thames, obviously. I'm, I'm not quite sure where. might have been Vauxhall Bridge on the Lambeth Bridge side or Lambeth North Bridge side, whatever. Mickey uh, Boyd knows the bridges, the ones with the pineapple. And there was a wonderful vista. So the dream was definitely set before uh, the towers wrecked that side of um, that side of the river. And there was a few of us there looking out, but it was covered in dog muck. And I was thinking, how is this beautiful view being wrecked by dogs? How can we live like this with all this dog muck? And then the next thing I know, in the dream, there's this double bed. There's no frame to the bed. So the mattress is a double bed. It's laid on the ground and it's full of bedding, stacked up with bedding. You know, I like my toggage. So that was consistent with how I sleep. But as I got into bed, I couldn't help thinking that at the foot of the bed, the foot of the bed was over the dog stalls. And it was just a horrendous dream. I can't get away from this stuff. I think uh, Dog Mark has just scarred me for life from a young age. Nectar points, he said, moving on quickly. Opening balance on Saturday, that um, post run warm down to uh, to Sainsbury's. My point, uh, points balance was 106. I spent, they were actually out of granola by the way, so I didn't actually get the granola that I'd uh, run there for. I bought a bag for life. That should last me a couple of months. 20p, some skimmed milk, two pints, some uh, washing conditioner, fabric conditioner, a couple of uh, packets of uh, those sugar-free Hall's lozenges, which I'm absolutely uh, addicted to. And uh, I think it might have been three or four bananas, 49p. I keep buying bananas from four or five different stores. I, I think it's maybe because I don't want to get used to bananas from any particular supermarket in case they become my go-to bananas. I've also... Uh, Trying, uh, I'm also trying a couple of different granolas. My sister got me two from Tesco's over Christmas, different ones. Not as crunchy as the little ones. Well, certainly one of them was, and I think the other packet might have been. But anyway, let me um, let me give you my closing points balance. So I, I earned four points on £4.23. That gives me a closing points balance of 110, which isn't bad for January. I think your points are worth 55p. I can't help thinking that uh, 110 nectar points should be worth a bit more. Star Wars football, been a busy few days in Star Wars football. This year, of course, it celebrates its 40th anniversary. Let me give you the results. League week 10. So it was the first league fixtures in, you know, since I think mid-November. I need to work on 
something to, to sort that out for Silver Rage season seven when it starts. You know, all too often the league is sidelined for the Cups and, um, you know, the league is still the bread and butter. Empire in second place had a chance to join Besbin at the top level on points, but they lost by goal to nil at home to Rebels. Wonder Woman, who had an excellent game, was carded again for Rebels in the Rebels goal. It means that she's suspended again. So she misses the next league game. Uh, Rebels' goal came from a mistake from the young Empire goalkeeper who was in for General Reichen. He had, uh, had an otherwise good game, but he missed a cross. And Padme, the uh, Rebels sub, nodded it in. A well-deserved victory for Rebels, who climbed to fifth now with their fourth win of the season, or their third win of the season, I think. Uh, Death Star 3, Tatooine 1. I'm going with a Tatooine pronunciation for 2022. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tatooine, I think. Is it Tatooine over Tatooine? I don't know. You nerds, let me know. The Star Wars nerds, let me know. Death Star, this result means they do the league double over Tatooine. Uh, General Madden, or Madine. These Star Wars names, they're not easy. He scored his eighth of the season. He's got eight in nine games. Now Death Star have only lost one of their last nine games. They've done the league double over Tatooine, they've now won three of four games against uh, the reigning league champions this season. The other being a draw in the Christmas Cup first leg at Tatooine. And let me give you the, the other results. Just looking at my notes here. Uh, Besbin won, X-Wing won. There was a chance for Besbin to open up a, what would it have been? A seven-point gap between them and Tatooine, which surely would have put Tatooine out of the uh, running for a third consecutive league title. But X-Wing got a late equaliser, an own goal from uh, Chewbacca, the uh, Besbin skipper. Uh, Walrus Man had given uh, given them the lead. I'm starting to... Uh, starting to slur now. Walrus Man had given them the lead on 19 minutes. Besbin won, X-Wing won. So Besbin at the top on 18 points, but uh, two drop points. They had the chance to pull away from Empire in second place and Tatooine in third place, but they uh, they failed that audition. Last night, dramatic encounter in the final game of League Week 10. Hoth won, Alderaan 2. Alderaan in third Fourth place going into that game. No, in third place going into that game by dint of Tatooine's uh, goal difference being worse as a result of that Death Star defeat. So Alderaan had the chance to leapfrog them. They were winning 1-0 with 40 seconds left. Hoth got an equaliser. And then B-Wing, the Alderaan sub- uh, substitute, got his second goal of the game. Uh, 18 seconds from time. So let me give you a hard swallow, 13-28. Let me give you the league week 10 tables. Uh, every team has played 10 games. Bez been a top with 18 points, goal difference plus six. Order on a second, uh, 16 points plus three, goal difference. Empire a third on 14 points, plus two, goal difference. Champions Tatooine are fourth on 13 points, zero goal difference. Rebels are fifth now on 12 points, minus four, goal difference. Death Star are up to sixth, on 11 points, minus two goal difference. X-Wing dropped to seventh, despite only two league defeats this season. Their goal difference is minus one. And Hoth at bottom, a disastrous uh, season for them. They're on six points, minus five. Hoth, remember, were the second favourites for the title this season. By the way, in the Bespin X-Wing game, uh, Sandy, Tuscan Raider, otherwise uh, the veteran X-Wing keeper, pulled off an early contender for save of the year from Ben Kenobi. A header at close range from Ben going in last minute, well, last moment, really. Sandy changed direction and got a strong palm to turn the ball round the post for 
a corner. So uh, not a great week for the top four league-wise. Only Alderaan winning in dramatic fashion, as you heard there. They host Besbin next. Right now, a, a title decider in all but name. Both sides have won one title apiece. Both sides aiming to become the first team outside the big two, Tatween and Rebels, to win a title, a league title for the second time. An unforeseen problem with some of the games. Been a while since there was a woman in this flat and, uh, you know, my sister's got long hair and uh, even though I've hoovered, clearly some of her hair is on the Star Wars football pitch. Players' legs are getting tangled up. Alderaan droid R5-D4 misplaced a pass spectacularly after his legs got tangled up by a six-inch hair. So looks like I'm going to have to hoover the pitch again. I don't know what it is. About, I mean, it just reminds me whenever I you know, live with women, the amount of hair they shed and how long it can be. And you, you, you think, you know, if you, you couldn't have an affair if you wanted to. No chance, not with all their hair all over you. Uh, shoe misplacements, I, I kind of dealt with that, having a good clean after my sister went. To be fair, after a few days, the shoe misplacement, she, she got how it all kind of worked. And I just kept some newspaper just inside the door because she was struggling to get her shoes on the huge mat. I know it's a knack. It's one I've perfected. But, uh, you know, I was okay. I think I reined in my OCDs to a reasonable extent, you know. And uh, the important thing was to have that company there. I was wheezing on Thursday after she left because obviously I'd sprayed the place with carpet cleaner and I think I inhaled some of that. On the cafe front, just a trip on New Year's Eve, I was in there. I was in there, I think, at... uh, 0930 hours because that's uh, I was going to Mayfair for the for the interview with the man was it no I got there about 1030 hours and I'm uh, just no notes here I'm just trying to recall this from memory not Mick and Morocco were in they were sat at not Mick's table not Mick was there with his laptop in its uh with a box there as well and after they left, uh, after about 45 minutes, I jumped on that table after it had been thoroughly cleaned. Obviously, the, the chair itself wasn't clean, but uh, I did some good work there working on the uh, short script. You know, I've got a, it's not New Year's resolutions. I know the projects that I need to work on this year, and I want to release a, a book this year as well, even if I have to do it myself, which is probably what I'm going to have to do. But, uh, you know, I'm very excited about my projects, did some work. Uh, my sister and I found a, a cafe near me that I'd never been into before, Spanish-Portuguese place, very cheap lattes, and really, really impressive too. So I think that's going to be my Tuesday go-to place for now. I don't think they have Wi-Fi, so I'll have to take a USB stick just to save my work, but that will allow me to... Um, that will allow me to focus even better. And to be fair, it's well, it's also cheaper than my cafe, but it gives me an option on, on Tuesdays and it's not too far from me. So I'm going to give that a try. And also importantly, uh, most importantly of all, they do serve their lattes in a glass, which is great, although it was two different uh, glass sizes. And uh, they're that cheap that I might be able to have three instead of two there on a Tuesday and, and still pay the same that I'm paying at the cafe for, uh, for two. Um, what else in the cafe? Yeah, I chatted to uh, the mullet who was in and I, I had some great small talk with the mullet. I, I'd read this story in The Guardian about someone who tested positive for COVID mid-flight, so they locked themselves in the loo on the flight. I'm assuming there were two loos. They locked themselves in the loo for five hours, didn't come out to protect all the other 
passengers and I used that for small talk with the mullet went down well and I thought well this is something I could dust down and use again if I you know had enough of a social life to 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 see other people but it was a really good way to end 2021 small talk wise it's been a decent year for me in the cafe far more talkative as a result you know of the uh, pandemic bringing me out of my shell the cafe reopens on Wednesday and I'm looking forward to another year of uh, latte poncing I'm hoping that we don't get any further restrictions. I think we just need to try and move forward. We need to try and find a way to live. I do think maybe there should have been some restrictions on New Year's Eve, probably. I think we'll probably pay a price for that, I'm sure. And also live events, music, venues, uh, football matches, something definitely needs to be done there. But in terms of closing down the high street, I just don't think we can do that. I think we're going to lose even more businesses if we do that. We can't go back to the dark days of 2020. I hope not. Anyway, so not much on the cafe this week, but uh, should be more on that next week once it reopens on Wednesday. This week's internet search is only a handful. A guide to chest stubble, the look, itching and removal. For my short film, I should stress not because I'm uh, waxing my chest. Pet Shop Boys, It's All Right, a late 80s song. I think it's from 88 that I used to play a lot at Mayflower in the uh, mid-90s. AC Milan v, uh, v Real Madrid. Real? Real Madrid. Here's me, Real. Like one of those guys that says, Real Madrid. Arsene Arsene Wenger. No, AC Milan v Real Madrid. And that was on my birthday, 1989. And I remember it vividly. It was a real shock that uh, Madrid got thumped 5-0 that night. And that was the night that Europe became aware of this great Arrigo Sacchi team. AC Milan, what's particularly moving about this game? Though I've not been able to find that footage, but that's why I was looking. This is four days after Hillsborough. And there was a minute silence at the start. But because it's the culture in those countries, European countries, to applaud rather than stay silent. The fans started singing, you'll never walk alone. And I remember it being really moving. And every writer that's mentioned that in various books does go on to say how moving it was. And uh, unfortunately, I've not been able to find it on YouTube so far, but that's what I was looking for. And the last internet search of the week, Chiqui there. this, uh, I think he's passed away now. This uh, I'm not sure if he was a Spanish flamenco singer, but I used to tease my cousin about it because when he went to Spain in 84, he spent, I think, a few weeks out there and he came back loving Chiquitete. And uh, I've always thought Spanish music is appalling. I think flamenco is okay as long as there's no singing. But all that wailing and cheesiness, I can't handle it. Honestly, I can't handle it. And that is it. That is the end of this week's show. I'm going to check the length. I think this is quite a long show. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah, 55 minutes. Wow. You lucky or unlucky people. Let's say, I think I've had my eBay uh, notifications come in, Star Wars alerts. I've sold another uh, item on eBay as well. There we go. That's uh, I mean, uh, an extra day of coffee for me. So, uh, yes, that's it. That's the end of this week's show, the first of the year. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I hope 2022 is a good one for you and for all of us. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and this start of the week I have been available.